Rossi Dvorak. It's 0606. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 206. This is No Agenda. Remembering D-Day and coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California in the morning. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, it, it, it is indeed 0606, show 206, and soon it will be the time 6. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Maybe a little less ad lib there, John. I kind of, I botched it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you know, um, I, I didn't realize it was D-Day until I saw, I think I saw it on Facebook somewhere, and uh, I was like, Oh, let me go to the whitehouse.gov and see the president, you know, say something about it. Not a thing. This is D-Day? Yeah, today is D-Day. And they my, don't tell us about it anymore? They don't care? I guess not. And my, um, my paternal grandfather, on my mom's side, uh, Albert Schobel, uh, actually a former German, he uh, was in the, the Normandy invasion. He was, he, he was there at D-Day. He was on there. On what side? <laughs> on the American side. Yeah. yeah, he was at uh, Arnhem, a bridge too far. Dude did, had some major... I mean, I, I wish... I didn't know him until I was like 35 or something, or 30. Because um, uh, my grandmother got remarried two or three times. Um, and he, he passed away, let me see, probably 10 years ago, at age like, you know, 97, in his comfy chair. He just like, poop, went to sleep. <laughs> Guy went through D-Day and Arnhem. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, um, so in the morning to everybody, all ships at sea, this is the No Agenda British Bread Corporation broadcast, and uh, it is uh, later than normal for people on the live stream, but uh, luckily for people down under in Gitmo Nation there, uh, it is actually in the morning that we're doing the live show. Yep, it's a good thing for them, <laughs> if they can handle it, <laughs> in the morning. And... Um, I have to say, um, it happens from time to time, and uh, I do get called out for it when we make a really big mistake, and I think I have to uh, do a little mea culpa here. I made a, I made a big boo-boo, John. What? Well, you'll recall not once but twice did I say, uh, after relating the story of uh, a fox stealing my daughter's shoe... Uh, I said, hey, you know, the next headline will be Fox Steals Baby. I was wrong. It's two babies. You didn't say steal. You said they'd attack <laughs> <Yeah>. or eat. Eat. <laughs> my email box is, like, filled with people saying, oh, my God, do you, like, write the news before you make it happen? <laughs> yeah, we do that. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is pretty amazing. So this happened in, uh, in the United Kingdom. Uh, and it's funny, kind of like... As we uh, as we discussed, twin girls injured in suspected fox attack. Although that's the BBC, uh, the Times of London is now saying it was a fox attack. Um, yeah, I guess the foxes are sneaking into these houses. Yeah, it's, it, it, it says uh, snuck in through because it was really warm Saturday night in uh, in Gitmo Nation East, and so that people had their windows open. The fox crept through the window. These two nine month old baby twin girls and attacked them. And uh, they have scratches on their arms. One apparently on uh, on her on her face. One has bite mark bite marks. No, wait a minute. Where are these kids leaving these uh, these little girls alone with a with a fox for? 
<laughs> Arrest those parents, I say. Call Child Protective Services. That's next. <laughs> you watch. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we had a, we were close. It, it, yeah, it no, I think actually, I think you, I think that qualifies as a hit. <laughs> let's go to the official score table. Yes, do, 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 do. how yeah, we doing? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 they're calling it a hit. Yeah. So far, we have uh, Brett a Mike, double actually. Brett Michaels winning Celebrity Apprentice. If only we could get some of the important stuff right. Well, <laughs> I got another news story. I don't know if there's anything predictive about this. I mean, we actually we've predicted a lot of stuff, and, yeah. but we're not going to brag about it anymore because no. it's just ridiculous. That you know, the whole sh- I hate to say this, but the whole show would be nothing but us bragging. <laughs> That's how good we are, John. John at Dvorak.org. So here we go. Okay, you got one? So it appears as if uh, Stephen Hill, sword-wielding porn star, <laughs> what? dies after allegedly killing Tom Dong. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Stephen I, Hill, I don't read it. It sounds like two stories. Stephen Hill, who once played Barack Obama. Uh-oh. In the porn spoof Palin, Erection oh, n- 2008. Oh, this wasn't Nalen Palin? No, this oh. is a different one. This oh. is Erection 2008. Oh, okay. Then I'm, then I'm thinking of the wrong porn actor. I'm sorry. Okay. Is it Cuba? How many? I mean, there's probably a number of Obamas in the business. They're going to maybe think twice about it. <laughs> because the way he died was kind of dubious. After holding authorities at bay, supposedly for eight hours, I guess he must have a huge one. SWAT officers used a stun gun to end the standoff, said uh, LAPD officer Bruce something. He jumped down off the cliff after he was tased and fell to his death. Oh, right. That sounds like a very serious case of two to the head. Totally. So that's not okay. I mean, you can't be tasing people who are on a cliff. That's just wrong. That yeah, doesn't, that doesn't sound right. But if you were tased, how do you jump? When you're tased, you drop. Hmm. You don't jump. Uh, I don't know. I haven't been tased Maybe lately. bounced off of something, uh, Barty Pot. Barty. Well, this is a very sad day for the pornography industry. This is I'm bad sorry, news. What? This is a very sad day for the pornography industry. Yeah, they lost another Obama. <laughs> and uh... Okay. This is not good. No. They, they, all the good ones have to go. First, this is horrible. The young, the good die young. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, we there's a couple things we definitely have to get into, but perhaps we can talk about. Uh, do we have executive producers? Did anyone uh, support us for this show? Yes, and let me get to them immediately. Is what I call immediate. Okay, we got uh, two executive producers, uh, followed by a an associate executive producer. Okie dokie. And uh, the three, again, the two guys are 333.33, the ah, lucky number. Yeah, they're, they're lucky number, and they're loading up on their, uh, their triple play for uh, an automatic knighthood. One from Gloucester, Ontario, is Howard Johnson, and he wants to be a de-douched member of the choir plus a down payment on knighthood. You've been de-douched. All right. With that one there, Howard. He's, he's, he's good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Hojo. Hojo and We have uh, Hojo. And then uh, Jason Chomel, Chomel or Chomel, 
uh, I think it's C H O M E L mm-hmm. uh, from San Diego, California. Another three thirty three thirty three. Dear, hello, John and Adam. I've been listening to the program for quite a while now, and, and even though I don't agree with everything you guys say, who does? No agenda is consistently the first podcast I listen to, and always find myself looking forward to the next episode in the morning. Please keep up the good work. I would like to take this opportunity to de douche myself. Oh my goodness! <laughs> You've been de douched with the fixed donation. My first step toward night, another one very similar to the other one. It's funny, funny. And then our uh, associate executive producer. And I'm not absolutely sure this may be the first female associate. Or well, no. And we we have uh, we have ladies. We have we have uh, ladies at nights, know. but I don't know that they came in when we started the producer program. Okay. Uh, so Deborah Hutchinson oh, nice. from Mooresville, Indiana, two sixteen. Uh-huh. Oh, from this Zydeco's. is uh, yeah from Zydeco's restaurant. They uh, they donate ten percent. Of um, of Wednesday, Wednesday, I think Wednesday's uh, takings or Thursday, if you mention no agenda on any ten- Wednesday, yeah, if you mention no agenda on any Wednesday or Thursday, you get ten percent. Oh, that's it. Ten percent of your check goes to no agenda, and you get a gift certificate for your next visit. Uh, go to Zydeco's dot net for menus and directions. In uh, is that Mooresville, right? Yeah, Mooresville, Indiana. Yeah, and that's Z Y D E C O S. Dot net. I really hope we can get to Indiana one of these days, John. Yeah, I, I, I would like to go. If, if I go to Chicago, I'm going to make a point of going down there. Uh, so, yeah, that would be so awesome. We have we have so many. And Mickey and I were talking about you and I, and of course she'd come along because she'd be our impresario. She says we've got to go to Australia. I said we're crazy if we don't go. You know, we have, we're having breakfast uh, yesterday morning. Uh, of course, I had a, a fantastic day because I didn't have to prep at night or anything like that. So we had breakfast. There's the Earth Cafe in L.A. It was like crazy busy with tourists and went next door. There's a couple of Australian people, you know, like older people with their son uh, who apparently lived in Los Angeles. And uh, I was looking at his plate and he had something really amazing cheese plate. And I said, excuse me, what is that uh, on the menu? And uh, so I hear he's uh, Australian. And I uh, said, so, oh, you, and of course, like my grandfather, you know, I'm getting old now. Hey, are you people from out of town? <laughs> like, and uh, she goes, yeah, yeah, we're visiting our son here. I said, oh, welcome to Los Angeles. And, uh, blah, and uh, said, you know, I love Australia. And I told him a little bit about the documentary and I did. And, and I just looked at these people and I knew that if I laid out the, hey, by the way, everything's cool there except for that dickhead Kevin Rudd. And I hit, I nailed it. You know, the old guy's like, ah, oh, don't got me started. <laughs> he just went off. He's like, oh, my gosh, there's there's some hate for that guy down there. Yeah. His, and there's probably the number of Americans who even knows who he is. Uh, yeah, that was probably surprising to them. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, thank you very much uh, uh, to uh, our executive producers, Howard Johnson, Hojo, and Jason Chomel. I think we should just say Chomel. It sounds kind of classy. And our associate executive producer, Deborah Hutchinson. And, of course, the series producer for the month of June, Andrew McKinnon. Thank you for the support. Uh, Everyone else, please go out, propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Hell yeah. And get ready to all say it together. Everyone in the chat room, refresh your radios. And scream at the top of your lungs. Shut up, Steve. And I want to remind anyone who wants to be an executive producer that if you go to No Agenda Show or Dvorak.org slash NA and go to the donations link, there's a special thing you can check. You can go in and do it that way. And you will get anybody over $200 gets to be an executive producer. Yes. Uh, No knighthoods, though, today, correct? 
No. And we should, you might as well remind them what good the executive producer title is. Well, it's extremely good to get you gigs. Uh, so you can put it on your resume, in your email signature. I see it come by all the time. It's also good for me when someone has it in there. They say executive producer or associate executive producer of No Agenda episode, and they give you the episode number. Um, and uh, it is recognized. It's a, it's a credit. I, you know, last night, um, Mickey, as a SAG member, she gets uh, special uh, deals on stuff besides great health care. Um, there's these free screenings at the Directors Guild of America. And, uh, I mean, if you can get into one of these, it's amazing. First of all, it's free. Um, But it's a a theater the way a theater should be. It's this, you know, the screen is fantastic. There's not a bad seat in the house. Uh, The sound is just amazing. Uh, It's it's tweaked. Everything is the way it should be. Because let's face it, directors do their screenings in this uh, this theater. And, And there's a couple of rules. One is, you know, no food, no popcorn, no talking during the movie. Shut up. Although last night's movie, there was lots of talking and laughing, but it was okay. And also, um, you are not allowed to get up until all the credits have rolled, which I think is cool. Um, and it's, there's a real respect for the movie. Now, of course, last night, it was Sex in the City 2. <laughs> well, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. You went to see Sex in the City 2? Yes, and I have a recommendation. Yeah, I have one too. Okay, here's for mine first. If you are currently in a relationship... I warn you now, guys, do not go to this movie with your wife, your girlfriend, your spouse, or even your boyfriend for all. It, it will, only discussion can come from this movie. It is not a good idea. Stay away. Bad. There's nothing but, but things to talk about afterwards. Well, I think that's good advice for people in a relationship. My advice for people not in a relationship is not to go to this movie. <laughs> It's a, it's really bad. It's Just really, let you know. Let the women go to it by themselves. It's in like fact, it's try like, to keep them from going to it. Well, tell them it's better on DVD. The thing is, it's two hours and fifteen minutes, and it's like that's three, too long for yeah. a ninety-minute movie. Yeah, and it, it oh absolutely, and it's like three stories in one. It was just like what. And it's an insulting movie. Anyway, don't get me started because you, know, you, you just why is it insulting? Go on, well, give us the spoiler. This That'll a, do it. Uh, no, I don't want to talk about it. It's okay. It's, just, it's enough. It's, then. it's just. Uh, it's just. It's insulting on so many levels. Intelligence Good. at the top. I didn't see the top. The first <laughs> movie. I mean, I watched Sex in the City occasionally once in yeah. a while. And I thought thought that the whole thing. Well, was they try. They try to put a storyline into it, and they try to. You know, it's just like uh, you know, it's okay if it's just all you know, gay stuff and fashion stuff, and I can handle that. But then don't put like relationship stories in and stuff that's gonna. Just begat conversation later. Uh. Anyway, so the big news coming out of uh, the global government is a report from the Council of Europe Parliamentary Assembly, better known as PACE. Uh, Would you believe it, John, that after how many years have we been harping on swine flu? How many years have we... Actually, we started harping on swine flu. I started harping on it first, I think. Yeah, well, on the same show, but I jumped right on. I yeah. mean, it was only yeah, a millisecond behind you. <laughs> yes, not, not much like, behind you. Like I took a show off. <laughs> so well, I have, but I didn't do it that day. Um, we, you caught it right at the beginning, and you did. And... Uh, and you made a point of saying you think you're calling it as bullshit. As soon as it, the first story hit about the about the pig farm in Mexico, yeah. 
So um, the the report that came out says, well, as it turns out, the scientists at the World Health Organization who are responsible for uh, identifying, uh, raising the threat level to pandemic level after changing the definition of a pandemic, turns out they had rather close ties to manufacturers of vaccines and antiviral medicines such as Tamiflu, which they did not publicly disclose. Wow. Yeah. What a stunner. And then Margaret Chan, this and, is... And we have to mention, by the way, we also talked about the fact that we were getting reports from people um, pointing out the fact that these uh, pharmacies were getting kind of semi, not quite, but almost expired Tamiflu during the panic. Yeah. So they could dump it up, you know, get it out. Get rid there. of it. Get rid of it. Get absolutely. rid of it. Get it out of inventory. So um, this woman who you really dislike, Margaret Chan. Yeah, Miss Swan. Yes. Said, uh, well, you know, um, yes, we have, of course, everyone, uh, we always ask for disclosures. Always ask for disclosures. Ooh. However, however, the committee members, you know, they, they had to, they couldn't disclose it. And the reason why is to, quote, protect the integrity and independence of the members while doing this critical work, but also to ensure transparency by publicly providing the names of the members as well as the information about any interest declared by them at the appropriate time. She says, I, I, I do not, th- I think their decisions were driven by the existing and evolving conditions at that time and what the best scientific information was telling telling us. It's very easy to look back through a 2020 lens and essentially be an armchair quarterback Dude, we were calling the game from our armchair as it unfolded. We weren't wait, looking wait, back. Wait, was that a quote from Chan? Cho? Chan, yeah. Chan, yeah. whatever her name is. Yeah. The she WHO. The word armchair quarterback? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She doesn't even know what football is. <laughs> it's her PR company. It's probably Hill and Knowlton. It's bogus, yes. Yeah, probably one of these guys because she's from Hong Kong. What does she know about that? the term armchair quarterback? What a crock. Adre- well, we have a jingle for that. <clears throat> Shit. Addressing the possibility of industry influence. Stinger. Yeah, Stinger. Addressing the possibility of industry influence on the World Health Organization's decisions, the spokesman said, so this is the spokesman unidentified, the World Health or- Organization based its decisions on strong public health considerations. I don't think there was any indication from our perspective that their decisions were influenced by industry in any way. Shut up, slave. I'm the spokesman. I'm a spokeshole. A spokeshole. Yes. we got to start using that. <laughs> it's a new one. You like it? Spokeshole? <laughs> yeah. Gives you kind of a visual. So um, so now, of course, we, we really need to call a couple of things into question, um, such as why did everyone jump on board? Why, why, why didn't we have our fabulous scientists in the United States and around the world question this? And these are the same people uh, who are bringing you the war against salt, the war against alcohol, well, maybe those uh, reports and studies aren't so good either, or maybe they have some ties to people that they should be disclosing that which they're not. Yeah, but no one. And of then, course, of course, the, the new scientist just today. Uh, you know that guy, that idiot who did the denialist book. Oh yeah, he's like a guy. I don't know. He's got these other guys picking up on this concept, and they're writing. There's a scientific explanation for denialism. <laughs> and the science and is in. And this is this article. I just found it. I just got saw it this morning. It's just like it's it's just it's the same lockstep fascist lockstep fascist crap, you know, where nobody can question this the phony baloney information that's out there. 
and uh, and if you're on the side, everybody's in total agreement, and uh, that kind of thing. Yep. It's just science is annoying. In. Yeah, no, it's it's very annoying. And now you have to question all those people who stood in line and were frightened into uh, into taking a shot. Were they just guinea pigs? Do we know? Will we ever know? You know, what, no, uh, yeah, but it you know, could be guinea pigs. Well, but I mean, you have to question everything now. Of course, um, I got a couple of links under swine flu in the show notes at noagendashow.com. If you see, like, the ABC News with George Stepanopoulos. I didn't see it today. I didn't see it today. Eh, it's from yesterday. Uh, it's just it's douchebaggery. So, and first of all, George Stepanopoulos, who died and made him anchorman. And, uh, and he's on Good Morning America now, too. It's just it's weird. So they do this whole story, and, and the only thing they're saying is, well, you know, it's down. And uh, uh, in flu-like sim- symptoms, which is the same as jobs saved or created, flu-like symptoms are down. So they couldn't even get enough flu symptoms. It had to be like flu-like yeah, it's too, symptoms. it's too late in the season. It's, it's, it's summer's upon us. Yeah. But you know, they, they don't even mention some, I'm sorry, but what bothers me is if somebody actually was on one of these network shows and said, this is bogus, this is crap, this is, this is bunk. Uh, they would be fired. Oh, yeah. You're off the air. I mean, you're off the air for just asking whether Michael Jackson was murdered. <laughs> I'm still waiting for him to call back and say, hey. Hey, yeah, what's good? thank yeah. you for giving yeah. us the, 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 the tip. The, the, yeah, the... the, the you got nothing. The planetary premiere of the news. No, no, it's all right. It's okay because now we have... Uh, they're working on some new medication, John. It's not actually in the form of a, of a vaccine. Um... But, of course, um, there's a pill now to help banish painful memories. Yeah, didn't we talk about this a no, couple I, of weeks ago? I don't know if we did. I think we forgot. Yeah, I think it was on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so they've uh, they figured out that uh, there's a protein called BDNF. Uh, you'll love this. Brain-derived neuro, uh, neurotrophic factor that can uh, help you relearn painful association from stressful, stressful situations. Yeah, dehumanize you. Right. So, but, you know, they're, they say, oh, this will be great for soldiers. Of course, we're going to yeah. be at war Keep for, them for decades. Yeah, exactly. Um, Who knows what after effects, you know, after getting shot up with this stuff two or three times, what it'll do to you. Who okay. knows? Yeah, you might go mental or something. Yeah, well. But everyone's like, oh, this is good. This is really awesome. Science is in on this one. Well, I was going to head in a different direction. Okay. So I've got a bunch of news stories that are cropping up one after another. Let me just read this one. January 12, uh, 2010. This is like one of about 10 incidents. Uh, a lot of these aren't getting played up enough. A lawyer was walking down Tremont Street in Boston when he saw these Three police officers struggling to extract a plastic bag from a teenager's mouth, thinking that uh, their force seemed excessive uh, for a drug arrest. He pulled out his cell phone and was immediately arrested. Oh, yes. I, this is the cameras as weapons meme. Yeah, and the one that came in interesting, there's a bunch of them. There's that guy, uh, everybody in Maryland, if you take a picture, you're, you're subject to arrest, even though the lawyers say this, they, they're, they're enforcing a law that doesn't exist. See, everybody's full of crap. Um, well, this is, this is, but this is already law under Section 44 of the Terrorism Act in uh, the United Kingdom. It's already law. You are not allowed to photograph a police officer. 
It's law. Section 44. And they can, quite, they, they can take you in without even uh, having any reason to other than suspicion. This is where we're headed. Yeah, no, I know. Nobody's doing anything. The public is not objecting to this. This is what's bothersome. Anthony Graber, a Maryland man who was arrested, is another story, was arrested for posting a video of a traffic cop to YouTube. By the way, here's the deal. Get an account at YouTube that's anonymous. Go through a proxy server. By the way, we have noagendaproxy.com. Yep. Uh, use that. It's a good uh, proxy. Noagendaproxy.com is good for listening to the show in, in companies that can't, they won't, they get it blocked or in countries that have it blocked. Who knows? Anyway, no agenda showed it. Uh, no agenda proxy.com. I think there's another one we have too. We have it some in their notes. Uh, yeah, I got it here somewhere. Anyway, Graber was pulled over for um, his motorcycle by a Maryland <laughs> state trooper, uh, Olber or Ulner or Oler, Euler. He, Euler draws his gun during the stop for no apparent reason. Graber was wearing a helmet cam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Graber thought Ulner's actions were excessive, and he posted the video to the Internet. Days later, police called the home of his parents. He was arrested, booked, and jailed. He was charged with violating Maryland's wiretapping statute. In an interview he gave to uh, one of the bloggers, he said that he told them that the judge, quote, the judge released me uh, after he looked at the paperwork and said there didn't seem any violation of the wiretapping law. And then it turns out the judge did release him, dropped the case, as a matter of fact, but that wasn't what happened. Graber's due in court next week. He faces up to five years in prison because the state's attorney, Joseph Casilli, a douchebag. Go, whoa, 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 whoa. Douchebag. Has also charged Graber with possession of, but by the way, it's probably illegal in Maryland to call somebody a douchebag. Douche oh, yeah, we're going to, we're still going to Gitmo, baby. Well, I'm not going to go to Maryland. Yeah. He also charged <laughs> Graber with possession of an interception device. This is the new one. An interception device. Oh, wow. Do, do detail what that is. Uh, the device would be Graber's otherwise perfectly legal video camera. <laughs> This is great. Well, of course, the news is not going to report on this because they love it. It's like, yeah, get rid, of, get rid of those citizen journalists. Get rid of them. Yeah, we're the only ones who know how to do journalism. Get rid of them. We don't want that. Yeah, of course, the next thing you know, those guys will get clubbed by the same cops. But and the cameras are well, a yeah, more expensive. They'll learn. Well, the, uh, this actually came from Eric the Shill. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission, this is a, right along the same lines, although more you know, anti-internet, is seeking ways to, quote, reinvent journalism. According to a draft proposal from uh, dated May 24th, the agency thinks government should be at the center of a media overhaul. The idea is to save the industry, they should, uh, the industry, the news organizations. Oh, you mean the ones that couldn't see their own demise coming down Broadway? Exactly. With a marching band, they didn't figure it out? Give me a break. They need to agree on a mechanism to require news aggregators and others, the quote, and others, and we're basically news aggregators, to pay for the use of online content, perhaps through the use of copyright licenses. Uh, in other words, according to the Washington Times, government policy would encourage a tax on websites like the Drudge Report, and you know, and and like it or hate it, you know, the Drudge Report is definitely a source of news. 
it's an aggregator of headlines. It yes. doesn't do anything more than that. Yep. And the other th- fact of the matter is headlines, which are, can't even be copyrighted as far as I know, like book titles. I could be wrong about the headlines, but typically speaking, book titles are not copyrightable. Uh, and I would assume headlines wouldn't be either because you can't, you know, most headlines are, redu- are either redundant or they're used over and over again over the years. Uh, and most of these websites that are aggregators just have the headline. And you know, and, and then a link to the original site. What is it? What's wrong with that? Well, who cares? I mean, what what's the big deal? I don't get it. The tax would hit other news aggregators such as Dig, Fark, and Reddit, which not only gather links but provide just, a these forum. Guys, this is how stupid these people are. They're trying to tax themselves out of business. These these operations, Reddit and Dig, and all those other things. Anyone who's ever had something linked to Dig knows this gives you thousands and thousands and thousands of readers that you wouldn't have otherwise had under any circumstances whatsoever. So you want to tax them out of business. So you're fading model, your fading business model, which is in the toilet already, is going to worsen because you're a fucking idiot. John C. Dvorak, pet peeve of the day. Nice one. Well-timed. Um, you know, <laughs> this show would be a lot shorter if we could only do headlines, though. It would be a lot easier for us. We'd just be well, like... We're, we're, we're essentially... <laughs> we'd be like, no- in, in the morning, John, report WHO overstated H1N1 threat. In the morning. <laughs> Hope of we pill do. to banish bad memories in the morning. A couple of douchebags in there would help. Yeah. So uh, we, we, this, most of this is fair use that they're trying to tax is horse, horse manure. Yeah. Well, but it's interesting because that's a draft proposal from the FTC. They've had another, a number of weird things, but it's just more, more um, internet bad. Get rid of the internet. Well, you know, here's what here's here's my little prediction. You're gonna this will crop up. It's already cropped up once or twice. It'll crop up over and over. They're gonna try to license journalists. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, because then you'll be official. You know, do you remember there was a time when you had an official an official international press card and you could not get in anywhere unless you had one. And I think that this was handed out by. I want to say like United Nations or or the some what was the wasn't it like a United Nations of press corps at one point? I don't know. It was was like a red hardcover, almost like a passport size thing. And that was your official press card. If you didn't have that, you weren't a journalist. Clearly, yeah, well, clearly you never had one. <laughs> the problem is we have what's called a constitution, mm. and we have a bill of rights. Uh-huh. And in there it says you do a right to uh, freedom of the press, and the and the and it's not so it's not defined in such a way that it doesn't include uh, blogs and everything else. Anyone can be a member of the press if they just want to report. Well, that's all it is. And I think that this freedom, I think that somebody should take on this camera thing as a freedom of the press issue. Because all the guy's doing is reporting on his situation. He's, re- he's recording a cop standing there pulling his gun, waving it around like a big shot. And he's got it on tape. He puts it on YouTube. It's, it's a news report. Well, how is this not a news report? So the report also, this again, Washington Times. So I, I take this, you know, with. With some authority, the report also discusses the possibility of offering tax exemptions to news organizations, establishing an AmeriCorps for reporters and creating a national fund for local news organizations. The money for those benefits would come from a new suite of taxes, a 5% tax on consumer electronic devices such as iPads, Kindles, and laptops that let consumers read the news, allow the slaves to read the news, 
And this could be used to encourage people to keep reading the dead tree version of the news. Well, this is the Washington Times. Uh, Other taxes might be levied on radio and television spectrum advertising and on cell phones. You know, we just got to keep our eye on this, man. This is the kind of stuff that, you know, you wake up one day and you're thinking about Lindsay Lohan. And then before you know it, it's like, hey, wait a minute. I need a license for this all of a sudden. Yeah, well, you know, the license is like the uh, British with their, you know, you can't have it. Americans always forget that in England you have to have a license for a television set in your home. Yes, it's like 350 pounds a year. And it's, yeah. and it's, uh, that's for at least one television set. You can get one only for radio. For the wireless, but then, you know, the and, 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 uh, oh, my poor If you have two TVs, do you have to pay for two of them? No, no, just one. My poor daughter, though. So she, oh, it, it, this is how kids think. So I think that she has a, a big flat screen TV that was part of the household that uh, got divided. So that's in her flat. And uh, the aerial broke or something because she has that free view. So you can basically, you can stick a wire in the air and you can get digital digital TV. But I guess the, the aerial broke or maybe the, the, some, something went wrong, no reception. And she got convinced that it's because she didn't pay her television license tax. And I'm like, baby, this is... Has she ever taken one science course in her life? Well, give the kid a break. But here's the worst thing. So then she goes, and she's like, okay, and, you know, and she goes to pay for the tax, which is 350 pounds. She, has, she comes up like 20 pounds short. And so her card gets uh, declined. I only found this out yesterday because I keep telling her, do not, do not waste your money. They don't know where you are. Who gives a crap? But because she did that and it got declined, she's receiving very threatening letters. We know where you are. You're in the, literally, you're in the database. We know where you are. You must pay now. So now she has to pay for it. So you were thinking that she could get away with not paying because she was in a block of, of places that they couldn't identify? Because, you know, they have these... Yeah, they have these th- trucks that roam around and identify. I know. But, you know, I, I just wanted to save the kid a couple hundred pounds. Uh, me, essentially. <laughs> now, now I got to pay for it. Now you got her in trouble. And, and if you don't pay for it, it's like a thousand pound fine or something. But that money does go to fund the BBC, in all honesty. That's what the it's British for. Bread the British Bread Corporation. So I've been watching. Uh, now you were out, uh, and I don't think you were uh, watching. You were on some college drunken stupor weekend, whatever. Um, I don't think you were watching a lot of C-SPAN. Let's put it that way. No, but I do have a C. Uh, coincidentally, I have a C-SPAN clip that's kind of unique. Uh, oh, can I do mine first? Uh, I don't. I'm not in a hurry. Okay. So the president, uh, you know, even his, uh, his, as you know, I'm a big fan of the weekly, weekly address from our uh, president. And he's in Louisiana, and he's uh, doing it from uh, a shrimping boat. And so the, yeah, I'm not kidding. So, yeah, really. And so it wasn't the, a green screen? <laughs> so the, the president. Was throwing water in his face? No. Well, this is what's interesting. So the president's the down there. machine on. Nah, let me, let me finish. The wind machine. So the president's down there. He's down there for the the past week. And, um, you know, and it's all about shrimping and fishery and uh, and tourism and shrimping and fishery. And he's having some shrimp with with a shrimping company. And, of course, it's horrible because of this oil spill. Uh, There's no shrimping going on. And I don't know if they can't shrimp or they're not not allowed to shrimp. doesn't matter. The shrimping industry is completely destroyed. But uh, what, what interests me is this little ditty 
Now, it's uh, it's about two minutes. I, I do want to play the whole thing. This is Representative uh, Mel- uh, Melanchon, and he uh, represents a parish in Louisiana, and he sat down. It was on C-SPAN. It was really interesting. It was almost like a, uh, like a flip video cam. There was only one camera shot in, uh, like a, in a council, council meeting room or something. It was really a kind of an unprofessional thing. So again, the, same, the scene all week long is the president's down there where the shrimpers are screwed, the seafood industry is screwed, and this guy actually tells it like it is when you realize that the petroleum industry started in 1947 in Louisiana, that, that the drilling ban that has been called out, an immediate drilling ban, is actually going to, well, there's another representative here who says is going to kill people. And that's probably the plan, he says. First, let's listen to uh, this representative as he is talking about the atrocity of the drilling ban. Uh, and it's interesting to listen to this. Are you pleased with the federal government's response now? I mean, uh, this is the C-SPAN reporter. Chemists suggest this. They'll be tripling our assets. The thing, and, and this is me, and this is not for Congressman Melisson, but... What's going to hurt Terrebonne Paris the worst right now is the moratorium and the, the ban on drilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, please understand that Terrebonne has worked with the oil field and, and the seafood industry for years. Mm-hmm. A lot of people go from seafood to oil field, oil field to seafood. And right now, the economic impact on the fishing industry is survivable. BP has been coming in and making claims. We we believe that the response is getting to be uh, better. That we think that there's an at least if they can cap it, that there may be some hope for the future for our fishing industry. Our biggest problem right now is the all uh, field ban where they've uh, discontinued drilling and five hundred feet. Five hundred feet is the is the minimum. And that they, I mean, the maximum, maximum that they're letting, and we had somebody that was at a thousand feet uh, drilling in a thousand feet of water the other day. They only had two thousand feet left to go, and they were told to cease and desist. All these rigs are very expensive. The horizon was five hundred thousand dollars a day. There's no way that it's going to be sitting around for. Uh, you know, six months, and what's going to happen, they're going to actually go to other countries. Once they're there, they're not going to move back at the end of six months. It's going to be a horrendous impact in our area. And uh, right now, easily, uh, we're going to have many, many thousands of people that will be impacted. And I'd be willing to bet that at least 60% of my parish, and I have 120,000 people, are directly or indirectly affected by the oil field. And 60%? 60. That's what I would think. I would guess that would be Meaning better. employed? Or directly, employed directly or indirectly. Okay. Understand they have all field people that work on the rigs, they have boat companies, they have catering companies, they have machine shops, yards. fabrication yards that build the uh, rigs. All of this is going to come to a screeching halt. And there is, and, and this is the critical thing, with BP or the, the spill, they have a, a resource to go to. On this moratorium, it's not compensable by anybody. So this is a loss that we're going we're gonna to have. And this the oil field drilling is without question uh, such a significant problem that it will affect my community and my parish more at this time than the oil spill will. 
people out in front. So then we have um, the St. Bernard Parish president, Craig Tafaro. I don't have audio from him, unfortunately. He says, quote, I would be betting the plan is to let us die. I I think that's the plan. Yeah. And the guy comes right out and says it. He says, you know, they just want to kill us. I mean, so I don't understand, economically speaking, what I'm hearing is, and of course it's just a couple guys, but they're parish presidents, saying, you know, yes, it's survivable, the, uh, you know, the, the seafood industry will get over it, but a lot of people, certainly in seasons, you know, the big, the big money, and if, and if you fly over, you know, this Louisiana coastline, I mean, it's all petroleum, I mean, that's what the industry is there. But why is everyone being focused on the sea? I mean, sure, it sucks what's happening, but you can't just, like, shut it all down for a number of reasons. One of them being people are going to starve. Yeah. Well, I guess it's Obama's idea of a jobs program. Hey. So, uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's a sorry situation. I, you know, one of the things that... It, I don't know, just so poorly handled on every level. Everybody's an alarmist, you know, especially the uh, people in Congress. Oh, and then all the news media, they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off, like all hell's going to break loose. We had someone in the office the other day say, ask me the question. I won't won't say who it is. At our office? Yeah. Yeah. Ask me the question, do you think it's going to ever be able to stop it? And if they don't stop it, will all the oceans just be filled with oil? (laughs) Oh, gee. I love Jersey Joe, but, man. No, that wasn't Jersey Joe. That must have been Eddie, then. No, no, that would be something Eddie might think. It's a good guess. I love Eddie. (laughs) Okay. doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, people people don't understand. The public is freaked out. I mean, the the amount, how much it affects... um, and then that, like, hurricane season has st- you, zero. You said something really good on uh, Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, where, and it's funny to hear uh, Horowitz, he makes me laugh, because he'd be like, well, you know, hurricane season is coming, and you went like, it's not like football season, it's not like on day one, all of a sudden, the football game starts, and then Horowitz immediately turns, he's like, you pussy, he's like, yeah, you're right, yeah, well, yes, of course it's not, right? <laughs> I was like laughing. You should listen to that bit again. Yeah, it's, it's genius. It's genius. But anyway, yeah, no, that is the point. Is that we could hurricane season? Yeah, it starts, but we might not see a hurricane in the next ten years. For all we know, we can see a thousand of them. I mean, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. It's meaningless. And uh, so, what you're saying is that no, the the oceans will not be ruined by this oil. No, that you can't do the math to make them ruined. I mean, somebody's got to do the, you know, do some calculations here. I mean, it's going to be a mess in that area, and if a hurricane does come through, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen. It may actually, you know, just distribute the thing, the droplets of crap all over this, you know, everywhere from all of Louisiana throughout the uh, uh, Mississippi, Florida. Alabama, for right. all we know, right. one drop or two, like uh, bee droppings. Uh, who knows? It could make a worse mess. It could make a, it may clean it up. I mean, nobody has a clue. So I did hear a very crazy story about how this all went down, um, a total uh, nut job conspiracy, uh, and I actually have it linked. Uh, we can put it on noagendatv.com because it's a YouTube video. Um, here's the story how, how it went down. That BP, which in this story claims is actually owned by Shell, 
and I find, I'm not quite sure how that works, and I didn't do any of the research. Doesn't sound right. Doesn't sound right to me either, which is why my hairs went like, hmm, okay. But, you know, Queen Beatrix of the, of the Netherlands, she, she's a very wealthy woman, and she's, of course, a Bilderberger and a global uh, elitist, and just uh, don't like her. And uh, so what the story is is that the Transocean was there drilling so deep, they were drilling down into the vein that actually is a part of the oil in Bolivia. And that that is a Halliburton uh, well in Bolivia. And that Halliburton got all pissed off that they were basically tapping out their oil at that depth that then they sent Blackwater over to go blow up the Transocean. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> That's like, a beauty. I thought so too. I'm like, well, you know, you don't know, man. If you're at like 30,000 feet, you know, who knows? You could be drilling into Australian oil for all I know. Wow. But uh, I do know that the, 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 where they were, the vein, um, I think I mentioned this before, is like on some uh, long longitudinal, it would be longitudinal, latitudinal, uh, parallel that the pyramids are on, and there's all kinds of well, geographic stuff. But I, I, I thought that was kind of interesting that this is actually the oil cabal fighting it out amongst themselves. You never know. So that guy who owns Transocean, and there's a clip of him on the blog, uh, Dvorak.org slash blog. Um, dancing with a bunch of Hindi, you know, Bollywood actresses on the stage of, I guess, his board meeting or his shareholders meeting or something. Oh, really? Stephen yeah. Newman? Yeah, did you see it there? Hold on a second. <laughs> that looks pretty good, actually. Play performs a, a, Bolly- a Bollywood dance. Are gorgeous, but mm-hmm. this guy's an idiot. Okay, hold on a second. What is the, what does the CEO do this? Okay. Because <laughs> he's going to endear himself to somebody so he can go out there and look like a fool? Well, I'm waiting for it to play. Uh... Transocean president and CEO Stephen Newman performs a Bollywood dance after the company's Indian division achieved top safety warning targets. <laughs> Oh, totally. All right. Oh, yeah, the girls are hot. Holy moly. This is like... This would be like Steve Ballmer doing this. Why do white guys do this? Ballmer has a track record for doing stupid stuff. Why do white guys do this? I don't know. I mean, I think... I mean, it makes you look foolish. And what's the point? Is making yourself look foolish endearing to anybody? No. Oh, what a character. Oh, he's so cool. It's just one of the... Probably all of his Russian friends in the in the audience. Eh. Yeah. Eh. But I'll take number two, the girl on the left. <laughs> oh, you, which one do you want, Vladimir? I get the one on the other side. Meanwhile, uh, Russian President Dmitry Medvedev Saturday called for a global fund to fight ecological catastrophes. Yeah, that's what we want. More global stuff, man. He said the global fund was needed to insure and reinsure against the risk of such disasters. As in some cases, the richest companies and even the big countries would not have sufficient funds to fight their consequences. This is like, you just pile jumping now. Hey. And by the way, this issue will be raised at the G20 summit in Canada later this month, where they're spending, what, a billion dollars in security? Is that what? what a waste of the taxpayers' money. Yeah, it's... it's hey, hey, you, hey, you, hey, guys, you know, if you went to Iceland, <laughs> to Vestman Island, for example, and had your meeting there, you wouldn't have a lot of protesters. 
Uh, I think you got to be careful, man. These Icelanders are pretty pissed off still. So, well, you'd have some Iceland protesters, but yeah, you know they'd rather drink at the bar on Friday nights. No, I, I disagree. I think the I, okay. I think, well, let's think of some other places. There's places you can go in the world that you won't have to have this sort of security. Yeah, like uh, Catalonia. You can go uh, to sit guests in Spain. Oh, I'm sorry. The place is already booked by the Bilderbergs. Well, they, they don't stay there for that long. They, well, they've got a... And t- the Bilderbergs have some outrageous amount of security. Money's being spent, too. It's ridiculous. Yeah. This is... This Can is these guys of- maybe develop some secret meeting or something? I mean, they'd have to advertise the thing. From what I understood, um, Bill Gates is attending this year, but he... With the Bilderberger? Yeah. But he... Why? Why? It's, yeah. a, dr- it's a drinking club, John. He likes a drink. Why? Because he's the, the chief eugenicist. It's his idea is to kill everybody. <laughs> this Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is no good. Well, uh, until we get into the educational but he, report he, he I've went, got coming up. He, but he went to, um, yeah, right, along with your book. So he went to a... Uh, <laughs> These things get done. He flew in. He said, yeah, I'm going to a medical conference. And there was no medical conference. He, and <laughs> he said, well, no, I'm actually here for the Bilderberg meeting. He, like, faked Fake that he was going to a meeting because no one wants to show up. People, the, the the elites are now afraid because people are standing around and yelling at them and taking video and and they don't want to. They don't. No, wanna... That's what they should do. Have the thing in Maryland. You can't take video. You can't stand around. Yeah. Well, you know, why do you think they're making these cameras illegal? Oh, there's a cop next to him. Oh, you can't videotape him. Now that would that would be illegal because it's a I weapon. I see the cop's beating the crap out of that guy. Now he's kicking him. Oh, you can't. No, yeah. no video of that. No, 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 no. So the only thing, and I, I do, I do just want to touch on Bilderberg for a minute because this is the first time that I can remember that we're really seeing some real reporting. Uh, more in in uh, Gitmo Nation East Press. I mean, it's not like you're seeing this on the nightly news. I mean, they could just say. Hey, you know, the Bilderberg meeting's going on and uh, all these luminaries showed up. You know, th- that would be a fair report. You know, they don't have to say anything. They don't even do that because, you know, the first rule of Bilderberg is you don't talk about Bilderberg. But the thing that galls me is that you have these top guys from like Time Warner, uh, NBC, you know, lots of media companies, and they go there, but there's no reporting. You know, it's, that's, that's lame. That's like signing a non disclosure agreement. Yeah, we'll come to your meeting, we'll talk about whatever. But, we're, but, you know, we promise not to report on it. I mean, that's bogus. That's just bogus. I think it's unconscionable for a journalist to sign a non-disclosure under any circumstances. Well, so I'm sure that this is, well, I mean, the non-disclosure here is like, listen, you will not talk about it or else. You catch my drift? Well, that would be, I would sign that, yeah. Yeah. All right, how about your C-SPAN clip? How do you like my microphone, by the way? I don't know, but you went to your volume dropped to like nothing. Oh, really? I want to thank the producers of this program because I totally purchased this microphone with your funds. And I shall purchase pantyhose to go with it next. You know, the kind of, I use the pop filters that are made out of a mesh that, that, that has an angle to it. I'm trying to figure out how this stuff works. I think the pantyhose works pretty good, but these mesh ones are better because I think more sound comes through. It doesn't muffle it, and it, but it, what it does is it takes the angle of the puffing where you're popping your piece. Oh, and it uh, it uh, deflects it. It pushes it pushes it down. And that's why they have to actually be about four inches away from the mic. Yeah. Well, I, I have the 
like because I had it up too close and it was popping the pieces. How's this thing popping the pieces? Because it wasn't far enough back to push the sound, the air down. Right. No, I have the uh, the just the old school that has a swan neck on it, and I just can't find it. It's somewhere in uh, in one of my boxes. It's what we do, so you don't have to see spin. Now, what was the point of playing that? That's your cue for your C-SPAN clip. Oh. Okay, well, I got the guy. His name is, uh, what's it say on there? Wizak. Uh, Wizak. Wilzak. Wilzak. Yeah. I just spelled it wrong. Wilzak is the Department of Agriculture guy. And besides the fact that he, keep, he keeps using the word opportunity. Listen to how many Wait, times he Isn't he's... this the guy from Monsanto? Well, he's the guy from Iowa. And I think he may have been really... Look him up while you were playing this clip. He has got the, the, essentially, this is the beginning of an interview with him on C-SPAN. And, but I found it interesting because when he kind of introduced himself off of a very lame question, he, he listed all the talking points that we can expect uh, over the next year or two, uh, which include uh, taxing the farmer to death, uh, but not calling it that, calling it an opportunity, because we're going to have, te- you know, uh, cap and trade, energy taxes, all these other things. We're going to have bigger farms, and then he twists his words around on, on the way what, what a big farm is and how we should get to know our producers. And it's just a crazy, twisted, opportunity-ridden bunch of talking points that just I just don't see any hope with this administration or this clown. Where you're leading this effort and why? Sure. Uh, the summit was an opportunity for us to first and foremost educate America about the important role that rural America plays for all of us. Uh, it is the supply of inexpensive, affordable, quality food. It's the supply of water that we drink and rely on. Uh, it uh, helps to uh, make us energy independent, and at the same time, it's uh, a substantial percentage of our military comes from these small towns. So it's important uh, that there be a vibrant economy in rural America to support families. Uh, sadly, for the last several decades, we've seen a decline in rural America, an aging population, uh, persistent poverty, uh, a fairly significant distinction between per capita income. And so the Obama administration has decided to put a new framework in place uh, to sort of revitalize the rural economy. And it's based on a couple of fundamental principles. One is that uh, production agriculture is important to the country and it's important to rural America, so we have to continue to expand markets, both domestically and foreign. That's why we've uh, our Know Your Farmer, Know Your Food effort is trying to link people with local production and local consumers. Uh, Does he work for uh, Whole Foods? <laughs> well, the one thing he says when he talks about production agriculture, he's talking about the big farm. Yeah, he's talking about big factories. Yeah, factory farms. And then he says, and then he slips over right to the next sentence. He says, uh, then we're going to, we want, uh, that's why we're pushing, uh, first he says production agriculture, and then he says, we're, that's why we're pushing know your farmer, know your producer, uh, which makes no sense. It's almost a non sequitur. Uh, he's just throwing these things out. He talks about water. He talks about families. He talks about the military. I mean, he's throwing every buzzword he can, says opportunity a few more times, as you'll see. And it's just like, is this whole administration just a bunch of blowhards that uh, we re- they have Sorry. two agendas? One is to screw us with ta- with cap and trade, and the other one is to uh, just you know tax, tax, tax. Or know your farmer, know your food effort is trying to link people with local production and local consumers. Uh, we recognize that there's a 21st century infrastructure that needs to be expanded in rural America. That's broadband technology. Uh, it's important that we expand the bio broadband technology. 
That's important, John. We need broadband mm-hmm. technology. Fuel and renewable energy industry. Uh, it's necessary for us to do a better job of working with conservation to, to make sure that those outdoor recreational opportunities are enhanced. And finally, uh, this whole notion of ecosystem markets, carbon markets, water markets, are, are opportunities to put new capital into rural America, all of which designed to revitalize the economy and, and, and really give a sense of opportunity where, where we've been struggling for several years. Tom Vilsack has a glowing reputation as being a shill for agribusiness biotech giants like, oh yes, sustainable ag advocated across the country were spreading the word of Vilsack's history as he was attempting to appeal to voters in his presidential bid. Uh, Apparently, he is a big fan of genetically engineered pharmaceutical crops, especially... Oh, there's a whole bunch of links here. I should drop that in. Yeah, this is the shill. This is the uh, this is the Monsanto shill. And he, what is it? What tell me what it, it means? Outdoor recreational opportunity. What does that mean? <laughs> it's that little patch of grand, uh, grass. He says we want to make sure outdoor recreational opportunities are enhanced. <laughs> so, I mean, you put a, a toilet in there. I mean, I, what does that mean? I think he gets it. I think he, he deserves that one. Well, so meanwhile, he, what he should be addressing, and of course they brought in two, two reporters who are of the new era style. They can't seem to ask anything that's actually interesting. Uh, now we've got super weeds, threat to mega agriculture. Farmers are across the south find themselves in an agricultural arms race with pesticide-resistant super weeds. Observers like Anna LaPay are pointing out that it's Farmers and consumers are paying the price of agribusiness power to silence those pointing out the mere basic fact fact of evolutionary genetics that plants evolve resistance. The advent of Monsanto's Roundup Ready seeds genetically engineered to do blah, blah, blah. We know all that. Anyways, apparently some weeds are like getting through. And the next thing you know, they're uh, breeding and you can't kill them. And, there's, and, now, and we're also finding other farmers complaining about these genes getting into all the different plants. And it's just a, it's a nightmare. These, this is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> what can thanks, I say? Thanks for your support. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't want, you know what? <laughs> okay, hit the hit the uh, real news. Well, actually, let's uh, mention some donors. Okay, since we take a break, and then we'll talk. I got that real news thing that would be fun, kind of interesting. Yeah, we need to get out of the bummed out mode for a moment here. Yeah, you know we're depressing people. Yeah. So some people that apparently aren't depressed. Let me mention a few people that that uh, donated, contributed, became producers, and everything else in between. Helped us out on the show. We need your help. This is a user supported show a listener supported we do the show because you pay us donate contribute help us and vault with volunteer work and the rest of it to do the show yeah we're we're not like the the national treasure pbs or npr which which take money from big corporations right and then gouge the listener That, that woman um who we always laugh about who talks about advertising call it whatever you want it um she was at the d conference yeah. And uh, so they only had one little clip, so I'm hoping they release her whole interview. She says they have five revenue streams. Five. And I'm like, how does that work? What are they? Well, they would have government. Right. Westwood. Uh, they then they would have straight-up advertisers like Ford. Right, which she calls they would underwriting. Have foundations. Well, no, that's underwriting. 
She calls that stream. No, she calls it all underwriting. Remember, she said, call it underwriting or whatever you want, advertising, sponsorship. She, that's one revenue stream for her. I think maybe she's to make her, I don't know. I have no idea. We have to find the whole speech. Yes. It was not a speech. She was being questioned. It. She was being questioned. Yeah, they put it like. What did they even up. put her on for? Um, some feel good thing. Oh, no, let's, it was let's about feel good about our digital conference and bring in some public broadcasters. Yeah, I think I think it was um, that we that we need to that they're now doing partnerships with uh, local local newspapers or some some hooey like that, just to control it. I presume. Did she throw a carbonite ad right in the middle of it? <laughs> no. Her speech. No. By the way, you know, back it up. <laughs> one of the things we've done here at PBS, we've had trouble backing up we, our system. We need to back it and up. If you use the code, you know, whatever. Okay, so we have a bunch of uh, knighthood layaway guys that came in this week. Again, uh, of course, our old friend Travis Wynn, Chris Abraham, Tristan Lennon, and Mike Westerfield. Uh, and then donors include uh, Casey Boatman, who gave us $50, Dean Carson from uh, South Australia, Australia 55. And he said... Uh, he hoped this doesn't get me a job. It's kind of a twisted logic. Hmm. Uh, but but apparently, uh, good luck for him is not working. Uh, as in, not working. Gertz Automation, or Chad Gertz, actually. Chad oh. Gertz from Vancouver, Washington. Very oh, interesting oh, oh, hold on a second. Let's. Uh, I know what to do here. Uh, I'm prepared for this one. Stay with me. That's your cue. This is uh, Victoria uh, Gertz's 15th birthday on June 7th. Uh, with the comment, whenever we go on a road trip, Victoria always insists we listen to no agenda or else she will not go. Yes. She is a winner. Yes. Victoria Gertz, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. She has nothing but success written all over her. That's right. She will go on to great things. And uh, we have, I think, another birthday. Uh, I don't oh, know really? if it's, it's in this list. But then, anyway, let's finish off. We've got uh, uh, David Habedank in Placerville, which is a cool little town, who uh, I just, there we go. Hey, John and Adam, I'm donating in order to out Scott Sandsted as a douchebag. Douchebag. Let me be clear. Though I demand uh, that any karma resulting from this will go towards finding Scott a job. A woman, he also a woman and a fuller head of hair. Well, the hair thing we don't have much control over. <laughs> yeah, we can get you laid though if you get a credit. If you get a producer, an associate producer credit, that does seem to work. You can put it on yeah. your business card. Say, hey, how you doing, buddy? Definitely. Yeah. Hey. And um, let's see. Uh, where was I? Anyway, so that's uh, 55, two nickels on the dime. Also, Raul Torres, Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, two nickels on the dime. Uh, June 6th is his 38th birthday. When is that? On June what? 6th today. Oh, my God. How old is he? He's 38 big ones. Well, happy birthday, my friend, from John and Adam and all your friends at the No Agenda Show. So he's got an interesting little thing that we have not uh, documented. 
Uh, by the way, he wants to de-douche himself. Can you pl- do that for him, please? You've been de-douched. He's pissed at the U.S. Commonwealth of Puerto Rico for making all birth certificates invalid if they're issued prior to July 1st, 2010 in order to combat identity theft. This is a money-making scam at $5 a pop to get new ones by merely filling out a form and mailing a photocopy of your driver's license. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a complete and total scam. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Because wow. everybody is a good number of people that, you know, not everybody will get one. They're just, I mean, if all I do is keep the old one and tell them to screw themselves. Really? But um, anyway, yeah. that's, all we, that's good, actually all good we got. Luck. Is that along while you're filming the officer? Yeah. <laughs> we do have one more birthday, I believe. Uh, oh, really? Well, there's something here. Let me get it. Uh, well, this hold is on. Like a, Uh, pretty soon we're going to start requesting birth certificates and proof. The birthday is... Uh, Ivan is sending a note last uh, show uh, to Jaco. Uh, Jaco uh, is, a, is a, it's his 35th birthday. He's in Croatia. Um, first time doing it for one and only reason is for my buddy Jaco's 35th birthday. I'd like to ask you to call him out as a douchebag. Douchebag. Since he hasn't yet donated and also congratulate him on his birthday. The big softie will appreciate it. Cheers from Croatia. Also, writer for Bug Magazine. The best in the world. Which magazine? Bug. Oh, is that what you write for too? Yeah. Oh, cool. Hey, Ziff Davis got sold. Yeah. Ziff Davis is a great, it's not a magazine anymore, so I, I can say that Bug is the best in the world. Yeah, Ziff Davis is all online. Yeah, it got sold to a, uh, I haven't found out the details yet, but it was just sold An Indian time. guy, an Indian guy at a, an investment firm. He's buying up all kinds of media properties. Yeah, they're trying to create a, uh, an online media megalith. Oh, boy. Well, you know, they only, only just time before they buy us, John. Well, the problem is our business model is not appropriate for most <laughs> of these people. It sucks. Yeah, it's not appropriate because it doesn't really make enough money for them. <laughs> no, we're barely getting a, getting by, and we hope people will donate at Dvorak.org slash NA, noagendashow.com. Click on the donation button, which takes you to Dvorak.org slash NA, and also channeldvorak.com slash NA for the next show. We'll appreciate it, and hopefully we'll get a few more executive producers and they get their money's worth. We also need some more stories about how well the karma has done for you individually. And uh, if you'd like to support the stream, of course, we had the Dvorak interlude extravaganza today to keep everybody happy. A lot of people were listening on the stream. Uh, We need support for that as well. Uh, You get uh, Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged. You get the interludes. You get No Agenda. You get Daily Source Code. uh, Looking at uh, acquiring some more programming for the stream uh, sustaining producers are listed at noagendastream.com, as well as founding producers. Get your name on the list and uh, donate. Go to Dvorak.org slash NAS or channeldvorak.com slash NAS, November Alpha Sierra. And so, uh, yeah, sorry. So I got a couple of clips I've got. Uh, oh, is this the real news segment of the show? I think I just want to do a real news thing. I just thought it was amusing. And now back to real news. So this was actually I took this uh, I took this from the Jimmy Kimmel show. They had patched this together. It is a series. Uh, it's, it's one show of I think it's The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, one of the two. What difference does it make? Uh, 
finding usage, which seems to be getting very popular, of the word amazing <laughs> in just one simple, you know, one show. I mean, apparently these people have a vocabulary of a seven-year-old. <laughs> okay. At the end of this, I'm hoping I am standing in some amazing place. That would be pretty amazing. I want an amazing husband. Cool. Absolutely amazing. I think you're an amazing woman. Do you look Me amazing? Too. You look amazing. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Please see him as a woman. Oh, that's amazing. This is just amazing. It's amazing. That's amazing. Paris, it's amazing. That's amazing. This night has been amazing. You're amazing. Yeah, I hear that a lot. You know, I hear... Well, you're in L.A. That's where this comes it's from. It's amazing. Oh, it's just amazing. How what is that? amazing it was become amazing the word of the day? Because it's simple and easy to say. But It's amazing. The- <laughs> say it with me now, John. Amazing. Yeah, it's just amazing. So GX2 can do a whole mix on us now. It's just amazing. I'm so amazing. It's amazing. What is the definition of the word amazing? It's amazing. It's like a word that you can use for anything. Like he does. He does amazing. Useless. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from the word amaze, obviously, and it and it means it's something singularly, outrageously wild and. To affect and, with great wonder, astonish, to, to bewilder or perplex, to, cr- to cause great wonder or astonishment. Amazed. 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 <laughs> so, they, so it seems to me as though these people are just astonished at the, at the drop of a hat. The Brits say that a lot too, by the way. Astonishing. It's astonishing. <laughs> amazing. Just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, I think amazing should be like when you see uh, like a UFO spiral in over eastern Australia. Oh, wait, that actually happened. Yes, that's amazing. You know, yeah. finding an amazing husband, first of all, forget about it. <laughs> Certainly not you, lady. Yeah, did you, did you see this video of the UFO spiral over eastern Australia? Gitmo Nation, man, they're, they're on the map now. They, yeah. had, they had a spiral. Yeah, they had a spiral. Yeah, we has anybody out there documented? Did any of our listeners ever seen one of these spirals? I would like to hear from them. Send me an email. Okay, because I, these things could be all Photoshop for all I know. Well, yeah, could be. But so this, like a de- this, if you don't want to get the new, you want well, to talk but, about well, that a little more, or well, might well, do a deconstruction well, well, of the new story. Well, this is this is kind of related. You know, this story. I mean, there's like four or five different stories in Australia about this spiral. A lot of people saw it, and there's YouTube videos of it. And so I, I think that, I mean, it's a spiral. And the headline, a mysterious ball of light seen across eastern Australia early yesterday may be linked to the launch of a private spacecraft. So uh, we had our first private use of uh, the Kennedy Space Center in Florida, a Falcon 9 rocket, which I don't know anything about. Whose was it? What was it carrying? I, I I haven't done any research on us honestly, but but right after that, uh, in Queensland, New South Wales, uh, people started reporting a UFO spiraling, estimated at twenty thousand kilometers per hour. I don't know who came up with that estimate, going in a west to east direction, were indeed consistent with a spent rocket grazing the Earth's upper atmosphere, but it looks a lot like you know a spiral. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, these are new, it seems to me, so there's something screwy going on. And maybe this has to do with the kind of motors they're using on these rockets. I don't know. All I know is that over the years, 
where I'm located, uh, every once in a while, the Vandenberg Air Force Base, which is a missile launching place, they right. have some big ones. They launch some of the big boys. Yeah, secret uh, shit, too. And it's a lot of secret stuff. Uh, it go gets they shoot uh, over essentially over the Bay Area, uh, and I've actually seen it at least twice. I'd, I'd like to get a listing of it. if somebody. And how come a, you didn't get video, John? How come you didn't grab your camera? Exactly. That's why people don't do it because you go. You, it's amazing. You just <laughs> so anyway, you get to watch it, and you see it. It's like it, you talk about a, a, a con trail. This is a smoke trail that's like unbelievably big. It goes over, and you can watch the the, the, the second stage go off. That's the cool part because it goes up, and it goes up, and it's just getting farther, farther away. And then you see a little bing, a little flash, and then the uh, second stage takes off with a different kind of a plume. And the other thing, I don't know what happens to it, but it doesn't spiral by any means. It just you know, drops down and crushes some poor guy in uh, Gurneyville. So we have a 15-year-old listener from uh, India. We have more. Than, we also have a 15-year-old that was a birthday. Yes, correct. But uh, wow. this 15-year-old is Raj, Rajdeep. And uh, he says, by the way, I, I can't donate. <laughs> Here's what he says. I love the show, want to donate soon, but I just don't have any money. Plus, I'm Indian. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was hey, you guys want to perpetuate the meat? <laughs> Knock yourself out. So he says, I think it's a bad idea. He says uh, he sent a couple pictures, and I asked him to send me the link to the the second picture. He um, actually it was his dad who got him listening to the show, and he says, but my dad hasn't donated yet either because guess what? He's also Indian. <laughs> <laughs> and he says the Guatemala sinkhole. He says it looks exactly like these giant holes in mars and he, and he and he sent some pictures which i guess was nasa material and i have to say it looks exactly the same <laughs> he's like whatever they're shooting at mars they're shooting at guatemala i'm like this kid will go far this is a, this is a good little kid huh well that sinkhole is still weird so uh AP we got a letter from a guy mm-hmm. unless you want to talk more about the spiral no, I'm I'm done with the spiral. Uh, I, I, Jeff, you know, I, just, I felt I felt real good about this letter because he, you know, we're we're actually teaching some people to look more carefully. Everybody I talk to that listens to our show, you know, even whether they like it or not, they always say, "Well, at least we're you know uh, we, we're taking a more skeptical look at, at things instead of just you know we're not hooked like fish anymore." Right. So this guy came in with a little thing, and I wanted to go over it because I have some comments for him. Here's a headline, and uh, this is Jeff Wheeler. Here's a headline and subhead I saw on Reuters. And after learning from your show how to identify one-sided reporting, I saw right away how biased and unfair this was. Uh, and he, he, I think rightly so, he feels that this has been slanted in the way it's told, the way the story's told, and we've talked about this before, toward a republic or toward a democratic slant. Here's the story, Reuters, with an eye on November election. This is very short. There's only a sentence. With an eye on November elections, uh, Republicans pounced on a weaker-than-expected jobs report on Friday to cast doubt on President Obama's economic leadership and question if his policies would spur enough growth. His interpretation, he, said, he noticed right away, says pounced yeah. like a kitten. It's a weak word. Yeah. And this one I thought was really good. This was outstanding, this little thing. To cast doubt, the word to, with to cast doubt, implies that it was their intention and they didn't actually do, do it. it. Oh, very good. I thought that was his best best hit. Words matter. And this, by the way, when we say words matter, this is what we're talking about. Spur enough growth, 
unquote. The word enough here is doublespeak. Have you ever had enough growth? It's saying Republicans are so hard to please. So he alternatively wrote it as, with an eye on November's election, Republicans noted in a weaker-than-expected jobs report on Friday that cast doubt on President Obama's economic leadership and questioned if his policies would spur growth, which is a pretty neutral way of doing it. But I would slant it toward the Republican side just for to be balanced. And it would, and I would, here's what I would do. With the eye on November elections, Republican, instead of noted, said. Right. It's not as more statement like rather than it's just something that's Pass. minor. Noted right. always implies, oh, they noted it. I noted it. Said a weaker than expected jobs report on Friday. Um, see if Friday. Yeah, it was Friday, June 4th. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to... He had the word ca- that cast out. That, that that would be eliminated, and I would go with a more active uh, word in the past tense, casted doubt. So it would go like, uh, expect the jobs report on Friday that, that... That Friday, not that, but... Let me start over. Yeah, please. Uh, Republicans said in a weaker-than-expected jobs report on Friday... That casted doubt on President Barack Obama's economic leadership and questioned, it should be, and questioned his policies, if, uh, questions if his policy would spur any growth. Now, that would be the real slanted way of putting it. In other words, instead of if his policy would spur growth, if his policies would spur any growth. And then with question, you might want to take a look at using this usage instead of Obama's economic leadership and question if his policies to and now questioned if his policies would. And that changes it from past tense to what happened the other day to something more. Um, uh, uh, it would now now as we just become kind of a, a story because you have a past that's moving toward the present. So you're creating kind of a, a movement. You're creating a drama. And it, it brings the readers in a little better. And it's, but this is completely slanted the way I wrote it, of course. So what I can't reconcile is all the financial reporting says weaker than expected jobs report. Yet the president is out at uh, K. Neal International Trucks in Hyattsville, Maryland, saying, uh, hey, it's working. We added 431,000 jobs. Applause. Fifth month in a row, we've seen jobs gains. Applause. Jobs. 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 You know, it's just like the, the, the front page of WhiteHouse.gov is like, uh, what's the headline? It's, uh, it's a great headline. Um... On the road to recovery. During the first month of last year, our economy lost an average 750,000 jobs each month. Now, new job numbers show that even excluding temporary census jobs in the first five months of this year, the economy has created nearly half a million new jobs. But everyone, Wall Street says exactly the opposite. Somebody's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Not the Ministry of Truth, John. Well, you know, if you lose 500,000 jobs and you create 400,000 jobs with a net loss of 100,000, you can still say you've created 400,000 jobs. Right. Anyway. Sliding down the hill. And these, of course, are census jobs. But first. Which we know. uh, Yeah, and they're census jobs. Yeah, but they were firing people and hiring them three times over. Yeah, it's a scam. Yeah, a total scam. So the one thing that was disturbing this past week is uh, I got uh, several emails, uh, a couple of tweets 
directed at you and I that we are racist, fascist assholes because of uh, mainly your analysis of the flotilla incident. What flotilla incident? This is what it's called, the flotilla incident. Uh, The uh, Israeli attack on the Turkish ship. And there Why is, are we racist anything? Well, of course, but this is this is kind of the whole point. Is like there's this huge surge of people online, and they're attacking. I mean, people are attacking each other quite viciously. It's all words, of course. You know, fuck the Jews, fuck the Palestinians, fuck Hamas, fuck Israel, fuck Turkey. It's like we're all fighting. It's it's like I think this is what the global elite want us to be doing. It's, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy what what's going on. People are getting so out, outraged. Out, yeah, they're balkanizing their, their thought process. You might want to play the intellectual discourse clip from Emmett Terrell, the, uh, the uh, kind of the right-wing writer. One of the themes I didn't want to hit too hard in the book because it would just go on and on and on is a theme of intellectual decline in this country. Uh, certainly in the culture, not amongst engineers, not amongst doctors, but amongst journalists and people in the humanities. It's been an enormous intellectual decline, and uh, I don't think uh, I don't think we want. I th- I've given up on uh, the uh, the culture smog, uh, liberal media. I mean, the, you and I have been around long enough to know that it was a day. When the Washington Post and the New York Times were interested in some disagreement, it took place in the 1970s. But by the 1980s, they found out they didn't have to uh, enter into conversation with us. And you'll note at this table here, there's not a, a liberal. They wouldn't come. We couldn't invite them to well, engage I used us. To be a I know you are. That's what you're. You're a true uh, neoconservative. But my point is, the intellectual, <laughs> the intellectual uh, debate in this country has become a. a, a, a monologue on one side or the other and on their side there's no way we're ever going to engage them Uh, and I gave up on them a long time ago the point I make at the end of the book is we've established our own counterculture yeah yeah, no yeah, but it's further. He he, he didn't go all the way with it. The fact is, it's more than just the two groups. Now you have, uh, you know, you have the liberals and the and the conservatives that don't talk to each other. That that are kind of like the Democrats and the Republicans generally. And then because there's no uh, buddy, there's no peacemakers in Congress or or in the culture. Uh, they just attack each other. And then you have these, you know, the, 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 which is a lot of this, by the way, might stem from the Israeli-Palestinian impasse, which when I was in college, you know, decades ago, this was going on. It hasn't changed a bit. And it was the, the, the you would see at the University of California out there on Sproul Plaza, there would be these, uh, an Israeli, commonly, there'd be always be, at least daily, one Israeli and one Palestinian standing across from each other or Arab, yelling. Yelling. Uh, at each other, it would get a little crowd usually, and they would be talking over each other's heads. They one, they, neither one would be listening to the other. They'd just be yelling, and uh, that seems to have that this this particular impasse is 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 just seems to be the theme for the uh, this you know millennium. I guess I don't know. It's just the damnedest thing. But, but the fact that people would complain about anything we do, uh, which is to to uh, 
get to the bottom of certain things, especially when is when we make the assumption that everything is driven by PR companies, and yeah. we have to kind of deconstruct it just to find out who those PR companies are and what else they're doing and how these hidden messages are placed within stories. Uh, the fact that we'd be criticized for uh, not doing much more than trying to figure out what was going on on that uh, uh, that uh, boat is ridiculous. These people should go find something, somebody else to pester. It's interesting because um, the same goes, uh, I, we got a beautiful email, I don't think you were copied on it, from uh, a listener in Greece, Xenografos is his code name, and he, uh, he heard my story about Taxi Eric in uh, the Netherlands, who was all pissed off about, you know, about the Greeks, and they got to spend, uh, you know, got to send the Greeks 5 billion euros from the Netherlands alone, and, uh, yeah, and this is also just an, uh, what is it, intellectual discourse, uh, are you interested in hearing from him a little bit about the real situation and what's what the real problem is in Greece? Uh, let's hear what he has to say. So he says, okay, uh, first, educational system in this country is appalling. Every aspect of critical thinking has been removed from the curriculum starting... Uh, let me see. Well, I might put my USA checklist down while you're... <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, see if we fit the bill. Okay, every aspect of critical thinking has been removed from the curriculum starting from kindergarten going through to university. Uh, second, Greeks have been indoctrinated to accepting the idea and practice of socialism since the end of the military dictatorship in the early 70s. Greeks are taught very subtly that any other system will lead to a return of the fascist dictators. I don't think we have that here yet. Third, up until this is interesting. Up until the mid-90s, more than 60% of the workforce were government employees. We're on our way to that. Yeah. 60% of the workforce. More than 80% of businesses were nationalized monopolies. Sound familiar, John? Even private companies were in some, and in some cases still are, very carefully regulated. For example, the ratio of bakeries to residents in a town is fixed. Even if you want to open a bakery in your hometown, you can't unless someone else closes their bakery first. Wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, that's good for competition. Yeah. Fourth, salaries suck. A high school math teacher of four years of university under his belt has a starting sal- He's probably a teacher. Has a starting salary of 860 euros about, well, when he wrote it, $1,000 a month. It's a little less now. A newly appointed police officer makes the same. The government even influences the salaries in the private sector by requiring social security premiums that are about one half of the salary amount. Fifth, unemployment is unreal. 35% of people over the age of 30 are unemployed, and more than 20% of those have never been legally employed. Six, and the last and salient point, taxation here is out of control. The lowest income bracket is 26% for a family of four with 20,000 euros in income, which is, that's not a lot of money. But how do they calculate income? Listen to this. This could be uh, things to come, John. We pay income tax not only on our income, but on the objective value of all our property. And I mean the objective value is determined by the government. By property, it's not just land. It's anything you own. If you have two cars, the government says that's equal to 5,000 euros a year of income. And they tax you on it. If you have a house of 100 square meters, which is a very small house... That is equal to some arbitrary amount of income which you're taxed on. We also pay 20% value-added tax on every uh, purchase, luxury tax on cigarettes, gas, uh, gasoline, automobiles, and a thousand other things other Europeans take for granted. Even electricity usage is taxed to support state-run television. The place is a mess. 
That doesn't sound very good. No. Uh, so I think, and he's he's basically saying, "Hey, Taxi Eric, man, you know, we got some problems here that you're not aware of." Um, but yeah, it's it, it it's uh, abhorrent. Ah, you got it in. Yes, I know. And I think did I see Hungary now? Is uh, Hungary is? Yeah, now this one snuck up on. All of a sudden, Hungary's in the news. Like yeah. what? Like, it's almost, I think it's a nothing-to-see-here thing. Could be. Trying to distract us from something else. I don't know, but he's like, Hungry lied. They lied on their application. Oh, it's not true. They, they, they lied about their money. I'm like, whoa, oh, okay. Meanwhile, back at home. Well, uh, wait, 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 you're mentioning the European Union. I got one little item that I should mention, because this is really always... It makes me shake my head every time I run into this is happening. We've talked about this before because I, we thought, at least initially, that the European Union was going to be the big holdout against GM food. But European Union is uh, to radically overhaul its approval system for genetically modified crops from next month, opening the way to large-scale GM cultivation in Europe. Yeah, they had the, already approved it, though. We already had that, didn't we, a couple months ago? You know, apparently, there's some, some news that this is for... Uh, they're just going to basically open the door to Monsanto, Dow, and Dow Chemical, and Syn- Syngenta. Time to buy some stock. Who's Syngenta? That sounds like a. That sounds ominous. That sounds like a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Kill all the earth. I'm in. So what's the, the uh, what's the share price? Yeah. So um, there's a. The, also coming out of the World Health Organization, since we're kind of talking global global stuff here, uh, we talked about how the, the, the demon drink, as they call in their own report, the demon drink alcohol, um, which of course now you know, we can't be sure if it really is a demon drink, because uh, who knows? You know, we could have a, a pandemic of demon drink pretty soon. But it's spreading to the United States, John. Michael Bowling. From Santa Barbara, California. Hey, dudes, I started listening to your show a couple months ago. Love it. I've not donated yet as I am a starving college student. Don't worry. We'll send some tasty GM snacks your way. I will be needing some No Agenda Karma soon. I was listening on Wednesday and was very intrigued with the topics concerning alcohol consumption. And by the way, I've got a guy on the inside who does the monitoring at the Interlock Company. Uh, And he's going to send me some details. How cool is that? Good. That's very cool. Um. I'm a graduate student attending UCSB, that would be the University of California, Santa Barbara. If you know anything about us, uh, UCSB also uh, stands for You Can Study Buzzed. (laughs) Is this true, John? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, When they had the riots in the 60s at Berkeley. They didn't show up. (laughs) No, the riots in the 60s in Berkeley were riots, and everyone was there. But in Santa Barbara, the riots they had there, they, they... I remember there was a scene where there was somebody threw, you know, there was cops coming every which way, and there was all these cans of of, uh, of tear gas. I was on the roof of a bank, and, and these kids would throw <laughs> Protect, these things protecting up it or drilling a hole <laughs> onto onto the bank roof, and I I couldn't understand why they weren't throwing it through the bank window in Santa Barbara. They not only threw it through the Bank of America window, but they set the bank on fire. Uh-huh. And the the Bank of America burnt to the ground, and it became one of the top uh, background images for uh, personal checking accounts in the Santa Barbara area for about 10 years. Cool. So um, we take great pride in our drinking, is his point. But 
this county board of supervisors has been trying to curtail all drinking here in the little college town next to campus, Isla Vista. They have now gone way too far and are taking away our right to privacy and covenant to quiet enjoyment with this new social host ordinance, which is linked in the show notes, noagendashow.com. Basically, it gives the police the right to enter any private residence without provocation that has five or more people gathered for a social event. Now, he says, I don't know if you know what. What? Back up and read that again. Basically, it gives the police the right to enter any private residence without provocation that has five or more people gathered for a social event. This is against the Constitution. Hold on. I don't know if you know what the housing situation is like here, but the rent is so high, most houses have six or more tenants just to be able to pay the $600 per person per month, about $3,600 per month for a three-bedroom apartment that was built somewhere in 1940. I think the No Agenda Nation should be aware of this ordinance so they can help out, help put a stop to it and keep it spreading to other counties. Protect your right to drink and get fucked up, he says, in the morning. Mike. Well, in the morning to him. Yeah, so I, uh, here it is. There's the news. County passes alcohol edict. Um, four to one vote. The social host ordinances, indeed, is what it's called. Keep a couple of uh, Dobermans in the place. The new measure would impose fines beginning at $500 for a first offense and require hosts to take a county-approved counseling program, no doubt with something you got to wear and have a monthly fee subscription. Uh, the law also notes that hosts should check ID cards and insist that minors leave from their parties. Here... Yeah, here, here, here it is. The fact is five people is considered a party or a gathering. <laughs> That's pretty nuts, man. That's unbelievable. Let me just see if... Uh, I, have the, I haven't looked through the whole... Ordinance, but that's also linked. Let me see if it's penalties, enforcement, why the why the ordinance is needed. Two reasons. Here's the ordinance. Law enforcement has inadequate enforcement authority to respond to underage drinking on private property. And the damage underage drinking does to developing brains. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> developing brains. We're not going to college to develop our brains, you fool. It's, it's there to drink. In California, there's no law that makes it illegal for a minor to consume alcoholic beverages or to have alcoholic beverages in a place that is not open to the public. Yeah, with good reason. Without a law or ordinance, underage drinking in private places is difficult for law enforcement to address. You know, first they take you off the road from driving and drinking. Now you can't drink at home. That's right. The proposed ordinance will fill the gap in the law by prohibiting consumption of alcohol by minors. In both. So it's all about the minors whose brains have to grow. Uh, oh, here's what you do. Proposed ordinance, uh, violations, misdemeanor offense, possible fines up to $1,000, community services, and at least 24 hours, of at least 24 hours, jail time up to six months, with cost recovery for law enforcement response to rowdy parties. Uh, excuse me, it just makes me want to puke. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. And they have a whole chart. Alcohol use, alcohol use last 30 days in Imperial County compared to national averages. Fifth grade, 7% used alcohol in the last 30 days. Seventh grade, 16%. Ah, 
There's a whole, this is unbelievable. The adolescent brain goes through dynamic change during adolescence. Alcohol can seriously damage long and short-term growth processes. You can say that. You can say that about any age. Alcohol has a damaging effect on the brain in some way, shape, or form. If you drink too much of it, frontal lobe development and the refinement of pathways and connections continue until age sixteen, and a high rate of energy is used as the brain matures until age twenty. College kids. Damage from alcohol at this time can be long-term and irreversible. In addition, short-term or moderate drinking impairs learning and memory far more in youth than adults. Adolescents need only drink half as much to suffer the same neb- negative effects. The science is in. Science. Here we go again. I don't have any anything fun to play at the end of the show. Well, we're not quite done yet. There's plenty of other. I know, stuff. but I got, I'm going to be unless you come up with something interesting, we're going to have another depressing show. Nah, it's, you shouldn't be too too depressed. Although this is this is a very interesting thing that is spreading. I also got a a note from um, uh, one of our uh, younger listeners in Gitmo Nation East in the United Kingdom. He says at the end of Doctor Who, there was a link. Right there in the credits to uh, BB, what is it? BBC.co.uk slash headroom. So this is after Doctor Who, right? And you go to that website and it's about the demon drink. Alcohol. Do you feel you need to cut down your drinking? Drugs. Smoking. Improve your well-being. Weird. Hmm. So Nelson Ferreira just sent me a nasty note. Who? <laughs> He's one of our contributors. He says his wife was the associate producer once before. This is what you so get. So we don't man. have the first associate uh, producer yeah, this woman. Is, this is what you get. You got to be very, very careful with saying. Got to be things. really. You know, you, you, nowadays everyone's picky. I was uh, very pleased to see that. Uh, you know, I told you that we're going to see more and more zombie stuff. And you said, no, zombies are over. No, the zombies has come and gone. I don't think so, man. Okay, what? Um, Exercise class in St. Charles, Illinois. Zombie fit is this exercise class. What? Zombie fit. Where'd you get this story? Wired. To prepare for Z-Day, which is zombie day. Uh, students do cardio, lift weights, and practice parkour maneuvers. <laughs> so, you know what parkour is? No. It's, it's like jumping over city walls and stuff. Because you've got to be able to evade the zombies. <laughs> so the survival workout is as follows. One, climb. Zombies aren't very spry, so climbing over barriers is a key evasive maneuver. Practice on a wall that's a little taller than you. Two, free fall. Jumping off a roof may provide temporary respite, but break a leg on landing and you're dinner. Cushion the impact by extending your legs and touching down on the balls of your feet. It's a whole zombie workout, man. <laughs> For when everyone turns into a zombie and you, <laughs> and you need to evade them. <laughs> it's just the beginning. You watch. It's just the beginning. More and more zombie stuff. I guarantee it. Uh, what was that movie? Uh, actually, Eric would probably know it. That would, that had there was a British movie. Those two comics, and they were in, surrounded by zombies, and they didn't even realize it for for a long time. They had to just kind of kill millions of them. It was it was a, it was a zombie comedy. Uh, I, don't, I I I saw the Woody Harrelson zombie uh, movie, which I liked. No, this is something else. This was a uh, actually Eric should know it. 
Eric, you still there? Maybe not. Anyway, um, he'll come up with it later. I, I, I'm not, I don't know. This zombie thing seems it should be over, but it doesn't. It's not, apparently. It's going to continue, I guarantee you. Nice to see um, the guardian of all newspapers, Christian Volmar, who is on the train beat. He, uh, he should be a no-agenda listener. Shaun of the Dead is the name of the movie. Shaun of the Dead, no. Did you ever see that? No, no. Hilarious. Oh, cool. Uh, Shaun of the Dead is what it's yeah, called? Yeah, Shaun, S-H-U-N. Uh, people on the uh, No Agenda book club, uh, please uh, put that on the, on the movies that you must see. Okay. So uh, Christian Volmar of the, uh, the Guardian uh, newspaper, communist newspaper, uh, he actually calls it out. He says, the train policy goes off the rails. He says, what the hell is going on? He says, the coalition's pursuit of a high-speed line is baffling. And so he, he hasn't quite figured it out yet that this is obviously some money-making, money-making scheme. Everybody's in with Siemens or whatever. Uh, but he can't figure it out. He says, why the hell are we trying to... We, people can't even afford the slow train, let, let alone that we're going to build a, a high-speed rail. Which is true. It's unaffordable. Yeah, the, you know, the high-speed trains are not cheap. No, well, but even in Gitmo, it's impossible. It costs you a month's salary just to take the train. And they took the toilets out. Yeah, can't have toilets. No. So uh, 74 Democrats signed a joint letter to the FCC supporting Internet throttling by Verizon, AT&T, and Comcast. What does that mean exactly? Throttling lets carriers slow or block Internet traffic. This is a clear attack on net neutrality, obviously. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi just endorsed net neutrality, but the money party is busy burying votes. Here's a top ten list of the big, and it was a top ten list. Of t- this is a, the agonist.com or .org. Um, so throttling is where you, uh, you know, you got some guy, hey, this guy's using a lot of bandwidth, don't you think? Yeah, let's cut him back. <laughs> this is what happens when, you know, sometimes our Skype. Yeah, stops. like with us. I'm sure it happens all the time. Man, well, these guys have been on, hey, hey what's man. going on with these two jerks? Yeah. Well, they've been on for almost two hours. You're kidding. What are they doing? <laughs> two hours? What are they doing? Pull it back. Pull yeah. it back. I will say that uh, Memorial Day weekend, they did send someone out from Time, Time Warner Cable. and uh, Unsolicited? No, not unsolicited. No way. No, I mean, the, the, last Thursday... Um, yeah, it was a piece of died. crap. No, but then on... Uh, on yeah. It, and it wasn't a piece of... It wasn't total crap, but during, up, during the upload of the show... My whole connection dropped, and it was gone. It was gone, and, and Sunday was the, the next time uh, they could get someone out. Oh, so you didn't have any connection on Saturday? No, no man. It was horrible. I, I was tethered on my iPhone. It was it sucks. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it totally blows. And it's still weird, but then the guy comes out, and he, and he measures everything. And I was, because um, high-frequency stuff, and I was, like, getting red, my signal here, and not, you know, it should be maybe a little yellow, but certainly green. And um, I guess the wires outside or something was was corroded or whatever. And squirrels. So, yeah, <laughs> squirrels. And so he replaced a bunch of stuff. And I must say, now I do get a burst of 25 megabit download. Uh, but still, it's wonky. It, it still craps out from time to time. And no, I, It was pretty good today. 
It's reasonable, but I, I, I think they're doing that through, they've been doing that throttling all along. I think there's nothing new. I think they just do it whenever they need to, whenever they feel like it. Yeah, probably when, the, when we're doing a show. You're right. It's like, hey, there's that connection there, pretty constant stream. Pull that back. So the, uh, I have noticed one thing. If I keep a, uh, on the other computer, if I keep like a, uh, an IRC open, mm-hmm. they, they do much less dicking around with, this, with the Skype. It's possible that you can send a, it's like a, 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 sh- a shadow signal or a, uh, you know, kind of a, a smoke screen. Yeah. Signal and, you, and when they're all mixed up together, the deep packet sniffing probably gets is much more difficult to do. Well, I always have uh, I, uh, IRC open, and I always have a ping open, a continuous ping, so I can kind of just like a command line, so I can just kind of see the the health of the network. Um, and it also that's like you know I I know when when my network's down because then I get timeouts in that one window. Mm. But uh, yeah. We're screwed. I mean, I keep telling everybody, please, you got to make that mesh network. We got to do something because the the day is going to be upon us. And we'll be like, okay, oops, wish we had done it. We should have done it earlier. Right. Just like we uh, just I'm going to tell you something now, too. Uh, We've talked about the uh, the strange symbolisms at Denver Airport, uh, particularly that crazy ass horse, the one with the with the red eyes, the, the, the light up at night. Yeah. So they've just added Anubis. A huge what? Anubis. You know what Anubis is? Yeah, it's like, it's, well, besides being the character in one of the uh, Stargate shows. Yes, uh, well, Anubis is the Egyptian god yes, of death. Yes, Egyptian god with a, with a head of a, of a duck or something. <laughs> no, not really. It's like a dog kind of thing. Um... So they have the 30-foot-tall blue Mustang, which, of course, has been the talk of the town ever since it was put in there. Now they are installing a 7-ton, 26-foot-tall concrete sculpture of Anubis. Why? <laughs> it's on exhibit June 29th through January 9th, 2011. It actually says here, the exhibit runs June 29th through January 11th, 2011. The Anubis will be standing guard during that time. Guard over what? But the Egyptian god of death. I mean, are they just like messing with <laughs> the us? Egyptian god of death. Are they just, are, standing guard? Do I want the Egyptian guard of de- or the god of death at the airport? Yes. Right. This is more of the trains bad. Your train planes bad. Your trains good. All aboard. Trains good. Planes bad. Woo-hoo. The Egyptian god of death. <laughs> Is at the airport. Yeah, notice they didn't put it. What are these people at, criminally insane that run this airport? <laughs> they didn't put it at Grand Central Station. You'll note. <laughs> no, it has to go at Denver Airport. The thing is huge. It's twenty-six foot tall sculpture. And who who yeah. comes up with this crap? Yeah, it's a copy of the original, I guess. <laughs> Seven tons. <laughs> right next to the main terminal for, <laughs> to promote the upcoming King Tut exhibit. Hey. Oh, is that what it's for? To promote the King Yeah, the King it's, Tut it's the exhibit? Denver Museum, Art Museum. By the way, they had the King Tut Museum at this... It sucked. Local. It sucked. It, it was it horrible. It totally sucks, and it, you, the line is a mile long, if you do, and now you have to buy tickets. It's, it stinks. It, it, it was like a, uh, a facsimile of the, of, the, of the actual exhibit in London. There's an interesting little uh, kind of uh, foreboding. I'm going to read it from the same article on, the, on, the, on this Anubis character. Yeah. 
The Nubis is not far from the sculpture of the blue horse called Mustang by Luis Jimenez. Luis Jimenez. The artist was killed in 2006 when a large piece of the sculpture fell on him in his studio. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I think we talked about that. It's I'm like, laughing, but I'm not really that happy. Just something weird about this whole thing going on in Denver. Get out of Denver, people. <laughs> so, it's do, radioactive anyway. Do you remember, um, have you ever heard of Operation Blackjack? No. Because it would go along perfectly with all of this. Wait a minute, when is this thing uh, on exhibit? June 6th. Is this, this, well, no, this, when does this thing go on exhibit, this Anubis? I think it's there now. It's, it's already like... there now. So uh, Operation Blackjack was supposed to happen June 22nd, 2009. Um, as predicted, when was this predicted? <sighs> it, was a, it was like a big conspiracy meme running around. Um, it was in a movie as well somewhere. Anyway... Uh, Operation Blackjack is when uh, nuclear bombs are supposed to explode in, let me get the list for you, uh, London, Los Angeles, Mexico City, and I think New York, probably not Denver, because that's where they all hang out. Uh, So now this conspiracy is back. That uh, 2010, June 22nd, is when uh, Operation Blackjack uh, goes into effect and the uh, bombs will be uh, popping off. Here it is. London, New York, Portland, Los Angeles, Toronto, and Mexico City. And this is on June 20th, this coming week? 22nd. No, we have, we, have so 14, we have 14 days. Yeah, this month. Oh, okay. Well, uh, if I were you, I, then I would make the list of those cities and stay out of all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think San Francisco will be safe? Yeah, but it's not on the list. It's got to well, be safe. Los Angeles is on the list. Don't you think there'll be some fallout? From what? Yeah, there'll be tons of fallout. Everyone in the air will be killed. They have a great picture on this page of, uh, I guess, Anubis. Uh, the statue. This is crazy. They have a, stat- a picture of Anubis and the Statue of Liberty in the background. Where the hell was this from? So they're tying this in somehow to this Anubis is the... Uh, you know, is the symbol that Operation Blackjack is now going to take place. <laughs> oh, well, nice knowing it's you, It's another John. date that will come and go like the giant flying saucer that was supposed to <laughs> land a couple of years ago in Brazil or it something. It wasn't going to land. It was just going to make itself... It was just going to appear. Hover. It was going to hover and make itself known. Oh, a girl can hope, can't she? So, okay, so we have to assume... So, we, now, so, the, so the Blackjack thing reappeared... So that means a movie has to be yes. coming out <laughs> within the next five or six months, or next. Maybe they'll be announcing it shortly. That has pretty much this kind of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. So we'll keep our eye on it. So can we do the show at a normal time on Thursday? Well, okay, I'll tell you what. Let's do it at a normal time. But it won't be till next Thursday. No, but we'll do it in the morning. Yeah, absolutely, in the morning. Okay. But hello to Australia, yeah. from afar. <laughs> and uh, should, we, should we really plan a trip? I would really like to do that. Well, let's start working on it. Seriously. First we, yeah, first, well, we got people that can help us. Well, here. let's do the night rings first. What do you think? I'm working on them right now. Yeah, as we speak. yeah. okay, right. 
All right, my friends and ships at sea, coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. It's been my pleasure to be with you. My name is Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where the weather's actually quite nice, and uh, horns honk, ducks quack, geese honk, uh, and seagulls do whatever they do. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday at our regularly scheduled time, 9 a.m. Gitmo Nation West time in the morning, right here on No Agenda. <laughs>